Thank you for listening to the Divine Nobodies Podcast with Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and understanding. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. Thank you for tuning in to Divine Nobody's Podcast. How are you doing, Jen? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I can feel the Halloween vibes upon us. It's starting to get a little darker a lot faster. But you know what? Today, I need your help. Okay. So you've been in this game a long time, Jen. Let's I not have. kid our let's not kid ourselves. Okay. Indeed. One could even go as bitch. far as to say, one could even go as far as to say that you're somewhat of a professional in the field of spirits and ghosts. Indeed. You may even be considered an OGG, which if you're not familiar with the term, it is by definition what we on the streets like to refer to as an original ghost gangster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Right. Yeah, since I was a child, for sure. Okay, so I am from, an OGG. from pictures falling off the wall to couches moving themselves to other rooms to your three chihuahuas chasing Casper on your ring cam, you seem to be rather proficient in the realm of spirits, right? Yeah. Is that yeah. correct? So with that said, Jen, with that said, I have two really important questions to ask you. Questions that have been on the, the hearts and the minds of all those who have pondered such mysteries of life. Okay. Tell what do you more. think it would feel like? To be bitch slapped by a ghost. <laughs> um, well, well, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase this, Jen. One, have you been bitch slapped by a ghost before? Considering your level of expertise and your tenure into ghosts and spirits, I haven't been bitch slapped, but I have been touched. You've been touched. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so by a ghost s- like my shoulder. Mm-hmm. So you have some familiarity on the subject. Yeah, I do, and okay. uh, I've had some bed shakes. That's real fun. But I'm not talking about bed shakes, Jen. I'm talking about the good old-fashioned bitch slapped by a ghost. How do you think that that would feel? The good old backhand. Um. <laughs> the good old back. And what would you do if, like, you got the you got bitch slapped by a ghost and you just see, like, powder shoot through the air? <laughs> that is what oh. we call a ghost pimp slap. A ghost pimp slap. Yeah, no. Yeah. No, it's never happened. But, um, yeah, I've had him touch my shoulder. That's pretty much it. I mean, I haven't mm-hmm. had a lot of, like, physical contact with ghosts. It's more, you know, visual. and. Yeah feeling. I figure just we're in the realm of Halloween. It might, it might have been something really good to bring up because I feel like a lot of people have been curious about this. So what do you think it would feel like? Mm, I imagine it wouldn't feel like anything, right? Really? I don't like, know. Like maybe the, cold or? Yeah, it's possible. You know what I, from the, the shows that I've watched, it seems to like create nausea for people when they're amongst ghosts. Yeah. Like there's like a nausea, there's like a coldness, but imagine, yeah. imagine if you got bitch slapped by a ghost and then you look in the mirror and you just see like five, five fingers across your face like this. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of like fake ghost stories and fake photos of people that have like bruises and handprints from quote unquote ghost. I don't know. I don't know about all that. And who knows? You know what? The world's going crazy right now, Jen. And uh, this Halloween may be a little different. You may have some maybe fourth dimensional spirits getting tired of humans doing the crazy business. We may very well experience some ghosts bitch slapping some people just to knock some sense into them, you know? Dude, I can think of like 10 people off the top of my head that could use a good ghost backhand. A ghost backhand. <laughs> really? Yeah. See, there you go. Sure. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. 
I'm in, about it. In this sort of similar vein, the reason welcome everybody. I don't know if I said that. The welcome to Divine News Podcast. We're gonna we're <laughs> gonna focus some energy today. Now that we're on the subject, because ghosts typically do those type of things when they're angry, right? When they're upset about something. So bringing it back down, grounding ourselves a little bit. This is a very serious subject, but something that we all can relate to. Definitely I can. I know that you probably can too, Jen, because we've all experienced being angry before. I don't know that we've all experienced being bitch slapped before or bitch slapping somebody else. I'm not a physical person. Yeah, no. Yeah. I can't imagine you'd ever have to go go through with that, Jen, unless it's from a ghost, but... Um, I myself have never <laughs> been bitch slapped or bitch slapped um, a person for being super angry, but there are a lot of people out there that have. Yeah. So we're going to focus some energy on just anger. And this is an important thing because this is uh, something that seems to be happening in the world right now. And it's not a new thing because this is something that we've had for since the beginning of time, probably, because it's sort of worked into our DNA. We're going to talk about the biological reasons why we get angry, but also the emotional and spiritual reasons why we tend to fall into this realm and what we can do about our anger. Things that can better equip us to sort of overcome our anger, transcend our anger, and the best way that we can do that is by trying to develop a really good understanding of why this fucking emotion even exists in us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to open it up with a story, a really quick story about the Buddha because, you know, he's figured he's all this man. stuff out. Yeah, you know? he's a man. Yeah, he's the man, and it's a really, really quick story. But it's something that I um, I'd been told a while back, and it's a really, it's a really simple story. It'll be pretty, uh, pretty obvious. So Buddha was just chilling in meditation one day. He was sitting under a tree doing what you know Buddha does, just sitting, being all, "What's up? Nothing." Not only was he not thinking about anything, he was not not thinking about anything because you know in meditation there's no thinker to not think about anything. It's just awareness at that point. So Buddha was just sitting under the chair un, under the tree, and he was just like. What's up? Nothing. So the Bra- a Brahmin priest came up to him and he started abusing him. And this priest thought Buddha would reciprocate in the same way, abusing as he started shouting obscenities. I don't know why some of these stories are very descriptive, but he walked up to Buddha and he just was like, you know what? I'm going to punk this guy, right? And But no surprise, there was not even the slightest change in the Buddha's expression or his stillness. He just remained there underneath the tree and he was just chilling. The priest became really furious and he continued shouting abuses at the Buddha and the Buddha was just completely unmoved. Apparently, he had a more of a loving and compassionate look on his face. Eventually, the priest became tired of abusing him and he gave up and he asked him, he's like, man, I've been trying to fuck your shit up, Buddha. Why haven't you gotten angry, like, at all? And Buddha replied, he's like, my homie, my brother, I'm paraphrasing this, you know, so we understand. <laughs> He's like, my homie, my brother, I've not accepted a single abuse from you. The priest said, but you heard all of them, didn't you? I know that you were listening. And Buddha said, I don't need the abuses, so why would I, why should I even hear them? The priest was even more puzzled. He couldn't understand the calm reply of the Buddha. And Buddha says, I'm calm because I've not accepted a single abuse from you. Buddha goes on to say, suppose you give some coins to somebody. And if he does not accept them, then who remains with the coins? And the priest is like, well, naturally I would. Buddha says, now you're right. The same has happened with your abuses. You hurled your abuses at me, talked all this shit, but I have not accepted a single abuse from you. So there's no reason to be angry with you. The priest became embarrassed and ashamed and asked for the Buddha's forgiveness. So that's the story. And it kind of, to sum it up, it basically just saying that in this life, your peace and your inner calmness is yours and you have to protect it. And Buddha didn't over-identify with somebody else's story. He remained with his own peace because understood that those abuses didn't belong to him. And it makes me think of this quote by Deepak Chopper that I've said, I think, many times before, where it's like, how can you allow somebody to hurt your feelings when your feelings belong to you? Yeah, so that that is a, a story about anger, and, and it's sort of like the basis of what we're going to be talking about. At the end of this podcast, hopefully we can all be like Buddha underneath the tree, 
just chilling, not being affected by anything else. So what we're going to do first is we're going to talk about what exactly is anger? And this is this is a, a really important question. The really complex thing about this question is that you go and ask anybody what anger is, they're all going to give you a different definition, mostly. Yeah. I'm interested in, in hearing the actual definition of anger. Yeah, so uh, the part that I want to go into is the biological piece first. I think this is really important because okay. for a long time, and this is something that a lot of people um, maybe not even be aware of. And I think this is the reason why people identify anger more with like an emotional thing because they don't understand how what exactly is going on in the body. So anger is triggered by the amygdala, which is part of the brain that triggers the auto responses when threatened. So when we're angry, it activates the hypothalamus. I don't know if I said that right. Hypothalamus. Hypothalamus. Yeah, that's Hypothalamus. correct. Hypothalamus. You like uh -huh. that? You like that shit? Yeah, and it, this this wow. tells the, the pituitary Pituitary. Pituitary. To, to pituitary, see, so you know, you're a nurse. Pituitary, yeah. Pituitary glands, it tells the pituitary glands to release hormones, which shoot the heart rate up, increase your blood pressure, energize your muscles. So basically you have like these, these uh, chemicals, neurochemicals that get released into your brain. You got mm -hmm. like cortisol, norepinephrine, and adrenaline. And all these things happen. Why? Because it is basically the, the anger that you feel is preparing your body to fight, mm -hmm. right? To protect itself. So that's what's happening in the brain, these are neurochemicals and they are being guided by our thoughts. They're being guided by an emotion that we feel. So when these areas are activated, things like digestion and vision are limited. Mm -hmm. They sort of like suspend. You're basically, your body's using all these resources to get you ready to fight. And it's sort of like taking some and letting some go or mm -hmm. suspending some for a little bit of time. And then the prefrontal cortex becomes limited, which affects your reason, yes. your ability to, to think logically about certain things. And then what happens is our hypothalamus downregulates producing short-term memory, leading to impulsive decision-making. So it's okay. like we're, your body's shutting down really, really integral parts of yourself Mm -hmm. And it's almost making you into like a this barbaric guy that doesn't need to think about too much. You just need to react, yeah, and fight. It's just rage, all red. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's that's the that's what's going on in inside of your body. All that all that stuff's happening. Yeah, that's a lot going on. It's a, it's a, it's a lot going on. But the thing is, and this is the interesting thing, is that like this this all is happening as a way to prepare you to fight. Mm -hmm. But in an evolutionary sort of perspective. In most situations, when it comes to emotional anger, it isn't something that requires us to sort of take up arms and kick somebody's ass. This is sort of like an emotional anger that we tend to put ourselves through through altercations with other people. We have to make a distinction. You know what I mean? We mm -hmm. have to make a distinction between what is a physical threat and what is an emotional threat, what is produced by you and what is fact or what is fiction. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about. That is the evolutionary sort of perspective of anger. And that is something that still happens till this very day. That's, that's right. like a normal human response to anger. So speaking of normal human responses, how do you respond to anger? I've, I don't think I've like really seen you super angry. I've seen you upset and emotional, but not like angry. I do get angry. And this is uh, something that we talk about on the podcast too. You know what I get angry about? I get angry about this sort of narrative that because you're a spiritual person, you are not allowed to get angry. Yeah. That, oh, that's that, that, that yeah. brings up things for me. Mm -hmm. Right. But I, that I do get angry. Big time. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and, uh, the reason why, and I've known, Jen, I've known you for a long time. I don't, I do get angry, but. I internalize it a lot of the time, even though I'm very external when it comes to my feelings. Like if I have a comfortable space, I will share my feelings in the anger that I feel, but I'm not typically one to just sort of explode on you. 
And the reason mm-hmm. why that is, is because I went through, I would imagine this sort of teaching really early on in my life by experiencing my father get angry yeah, and seeing how destructive that it is for other people and yeah. seeing how destructive that it is on both sides because seeing what it did to him and seeing how it made me feel when it happened. And I don't ever want to put anybody through that. But when things happen in life, I do get angry. And maybe these things are a little bit more trivial. For example, actually, it's funny because I did this, um, I wanted to talk about just some 3D things. And maybe you can share this anger, Jen. Maybe you (laughs) can share this anger. These are going to be a little bit more trivial and these are going to be a little bit more, a little bit more fun. I had this conversation with somebody a little while ago. I am saying that I'm not for anger. Like I'm not somebody that's going to like encourage you to go and fight somewhere, but I am saying that people get angry. And there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with people getting angry, but what we're going to talk about on the podcast is our an effective way to address anger, effective mm-hmm. way to feel anger. To deny that you've ever been angry is to essentially lie because if you're a human being, especially when we're navigating through this world, things will make you angry. Yeah. So it's best to accept them. So a couple things. I want to know what your perspective is about this, Jen. There are two types of people in the world. This was the basis of the conversation that I had with this friend. There are two types of people in this world. There are people at stop signs. So say you're driving in your car and you get up to, you approach a stop sign, right? Mm -hmm. And there's somebody at the corner of the street that wants to cross to the other side of the street at the stop sign. So effectively Mm -hmm. they would have to go and you'd see them sort of walk by. And we had this conversation about there are two types of people in the world. There will people that will cross the street in front of your car at a stop sign. And then there are people that will cross the street behind your car at a stop sign. So what they'll do is instead of walking in front of your car, They'll walk behind your car and get to the other side of the street. And the perspective that I had is, well, you could both get what you want if one person decides to go behind your car because then you can still go and he could also cross the street. So what is this whole thing about if you stop at a stop sign and somebody walks in front of you and you have to wait for them and there's nothing wrong with that. But it was just a perspective that I had. I noticed that there were two different types of people while crossing these streets and I wanted to know what that was about. You want to know two other types of people? People that return the cart and people that don't. People that don't return the cart? Yes. Why is it so hard to return? Are you talking like at a store? It's only like 10 10 feet away, you know, and then I'll see carts all over the damn place. And I'm like, you know, it's cold out here or it's raining or it's hot outside. And there's some minimum wage employee out here rustling up all the carts. There's nowhere to park whenever you leave your cart, you know, just wherever. Just take the extra 10 steps and put the cart in the cart return. It's not that hard. Well, let me see. Let me get, and I totally agree with you because I'm one of those people that walks to return the cart. Mm-hmm. There's no problem with that, but I do. This is When it comes to carts, this is this is the reason why it kind of sucks is because people leave them in actual parking spaces. That pisses me off. Right? And yes. it's, it's a parking space that you see from a distance and you're like, yeah, we yes. found a parking space. like right there in the front. And then you go and there's, there's a, a basket cart there. In it. Yeah. Like, and then there's a basket in it. It's like, it's, it's the same as like when you go and you see that spot and then you look and then there's a motorcycle that you didn't see there because you oh. had to like kind of turn the corner a little bit. Or a smart car. Like. <laughs> or like a smart car, or like somebody's like a little Razor scooter or something yeah. like that. But one could also say, and one, I'm trying to look at all angles with this, if every single person returned to their cart, would that leave a job for the person that harvests the cart for the store? Yeah, yes, because they can harvest it in one place, <laughs> the cart return. That's that, just that's courtesy. True. It's like, you know. Yeah, but no, no, and I, under, and I understand that. But how many times does he have to go, if all of those carts were at the same cart return, he would have to just go out once every, you know, hour or two and get mm-hmm. them. It's not going to leave him much time to do anything else. He's going to have mean, to go through that arduous process of pretending that he's busy for a few hours. No, they do other stuff other than get the carts. Really? Yeah, they have other oh, jobs. Okay, Usually well, they're like <laughs> or, know you know, 
whatever. Really? Yeah. Okay. That's like their additional responsibility. Okay. Well, going back to my original thing, would you, if you read a stop sign, <laughs> you needed to cross, would you walk in front of the car or would you go behind it? Um, you know, I never thought about walking behind it because it just, I just never thought about it, but I guess it makes sense. Like backing yeah. into a parking space. Yeah. I never do it, but yeah. if there's a pull through spot, I will, you know, because it's much more convenient to pull out than to back out. Yeah. You know, I kind of, I don't know. It's just not something I think about. There seems to be something very considerate about going behind the car because you both get what you want. Yeah. No, I, I hear right? you. And when um, you walk in front of the car, it's like almost like saying, oh, yes, please stop for me I as wonder, I cross this street. Are we missing any kind of safety thing by not walking in front of a car, by walking around like behind the back? it? Yeah. No, no, I don't no. think so. I, I yeah. and, and unless there was like a stream of cars behind you, but I don't see how that would make a difference. You're still walking in front of a car. Anyways, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but you get okay. my point. That was another sort of like weird, weird thing. And then um, another, another thing, which is like, you've ever been walking down the street. And for me, my example would be in old town Pasadena and you're walking down the street with your hot date or whatever, or with your husband or whatever. Little and miss. you can walk in exactly with the little miss and you're in you, uh, you see a little stop light, a stoplight. Of course, in order to cross the street, you got to press the button. You got to press the walk sign button, right? Yeah. And then you press it and everybody does the same thing. They press it like a million times just to be sure, like just to make sure. Of course. And you do that. I do that. So I'm doing that. I'm sitting there and press the button and then I give up. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to let it do its thing because I know that it registered in the thing. So we're just in a waiting, waiting period. Somebody walks up behind you. It could be a man. It could be a couple. And he knows and he, he had to, he has to have seen you standing there waiting to cross and you're literally within maybe a few centimeters or maybe like one or two feet away from this button. Mm-hmm. And he walks up behind you and presses the button. Oh, for sure. And he yep. keeps pressing it. And I'm like, man, like I already pressed the button. Yeah. You can I'm, press I, it a hundred times. It's not going to speed it up. It's like. Yeah. So it's almost like this lack of trust in people's ability to collaborate. I'd agree You walk with up that. and you're like, this guy already pressed the button. They're waiting. They're not just aimlessly standing at this corner. Let's just practice some patience and then we can cross the street. But no, they walk up and they, they press the button after they've seen you press it like three times. So I was in Seattle last week and you know, (laughs) in, in LA, everything's broken. So nothing ever works. Right. Um, but a lot of things work in Seattle. So especially their crosswalks and it scared the shit out of me because I've never had a crosswalk talk to me and I pressed the button and it started talking. It was like a man's voice. I was like, Whoa, (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) what just happened? Yeah. Yeah. That's what they do out here in Old Town Pasadena. It's funny. I actually talked about this with somebody yesterday. It's like you press it once and it says, wait. Wait. Right? Wait. And it says and wait three times. You press yeah. the button each time out of the three, it says wait. But when you press it a fourth, it gets a little louder. It's like, wait. Yeah. You're it like, starts it freaks angry. out on you. It's like, hey, you need to pipe down. Right? Yeah. These are just sort of surface level things that I, I notice. This this comes more as like an observation. But these are things that, and from my experience, like noticeably tick off some people. Mm-hmm. And on a more serious note, yes, I've gotten angry. I've been cheated on before. I've had somebody mistreat me. I've had somebody use me for things like my talents and, and music and sound baths and stuff like that. I've been taken advantage of by people. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you know, be, be, because I'm a human being, I've also done these to other people too. You know, I was yeah. once young at some point. So we all end up on the receiving and the giving end of both of these things. Like we've all pissed people off before, oh, for whether sure. or not it's unconsciously or deliberately just to see what happens, or maybe we were just really, really angry. And at the same time, I've also received, I've also been very, very angry from being mistreated. And empathic people tend to go through this a lot because empathic people tend to internalize internalize their feeling. Mm -hmm. So if they're being mistreated by somebody, in order to prevent from some sort of escalation 
you know, things getting out of control, they'll internalize and they'll torture themselves. And at some point they'll just explode or they'll have a meltdown and they'll freak out. Empathic people are really prone to that, which is the reason why they have to develop like a really, really good solid foundation when it comes to addressing their feelings because they could fall victim to being taken advantage of other people. And this is the one thing that I wanted to point out is that anger isn't a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. The only reason why it's bad is because we associate anger with all of our experiences that we've ever had of other people being angry or us being angry at other people. But when we're looking at the evolutionary perspective of anger, anger has exactly the same function as fear does Yeah. in the sort of evolutionary perspective. Fear exists to protect you because your flight or fight is triggers the same neurons inside of the brain to fire. Yep. And when you're angry, the exact same thing happens. Yep. So typically, if we're in a wild situation, if we're in a forest situation and there's like a, a bear or whatever, or we're being mistreated, it's the same sort of mechanism that go, comes in into the field where it's like you need to protect yourself. So it's not yep. bad. It's meant to sur- survive. We have an evolutionary advantage because we have anger because it allows us to not be taken advantage of by bad people. It allows us to overcome obstacles that are very challenging when, and when it comes to life and just other maybe people that want to mezzy up your day. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, a healthy way to go about anger. And one of those is not resisting the fact that you get angry or resisting anger in general. I think a lot of the confusion that people have when it comes to anger is because they don't understand the function of anger fully. So if you don't understand the function of anger fully, then you're going to fall victim to your own projections about what anger means. So I feel like if people understood what's going on inside of the body and the function of anger, then we can use it like a tool in the same way that we use our flight or fight or our fear responses. So whenever you get angry, how do you deal with it? How do I deal with it now? Like what are some of your coping mechanisms whenever you're angry? For me, communication is a really, really big thing. Okay. Right? Communication is a really, really big thing. So these are my perspectives when it comes to, to anger. So for me, anger requires collaboration and not resistance. So for me, the way that I or get through anger is by accepting how it is that I'm feeling in the okay. moment. And a lot of the the anger that people feel that ends up becoming problematic is our resistance to anger, our resistance to those things. There's actually a quote by Adi Ashanti that I want to read that's actually something that I think in my mind every now and again when I fall into this sort of trap of falling asleep. And he says, whatever you resist, you become. If you resist anger, you are always angry. If you resist sadness, you are always sad. If you resist suffering, you are always suffering. If you resist confusion, you're always confused. We think that we resist certain states because they are there, but actually they are there because we resist them. So that is Adi Ashanti's perspective on anger. And it's totally right. Anger Mm -hmm. is going to happen. And you have a decision and a choice in any given moment as to what it is that you do with that feeling. Everybody has this archive, this archive of information stored inside of their brains of Every single time you've ever experienced an injustice, every single time you've ever been hurt, every single time someone's done something bad, and it's stored in the brain. And for a lot of people, the second your anger is triggered by something, when you respond, you're not responding in the moment. You're responding to every little thing that has ever happened to you in the past that has hurt you. So you have all these emotions and all of these like things backed behind it. I'm not saying this happens to everybody, yeah. but there are a lot of people out there that somehow fall asleep to the fact that they're angry by resisting it as it comes and it just stores up and they archive it and it becomes its own sort of sort of form of conditioning that powers itself in the moment that you're angry. I don't, so, okay, this is not me and I can't relate to that. So I think that's kind of where I'm having a problem because I think about like the four stages of anger. So there's the buildup, the spark, the explosion, and then the aftermath, right? So when I get to, I'll go through buildup and it depends on the person. Like if it's someone I really love and care about, I won't let myself get too sparked 
But if somebody, yeah. if it's somebody I don't really care that much about, um, I'll let myself get a little bit more worked up. But I noticed if I really care about someone, I'll, I have a stronger ability to regulate my emotions and kind of take a step back and yeah. speak in a really calm and thoughtful way, yeah. a mindful way. Well, that's so the thing know, though. Just that's the thing though, Jen, is that like you, you, the, you've been on this, like I said at the beginning of the pod, you've been on this, this game for a long time. Effective communication is something that you practice. Yeah, right? I try. This is yeah. something that you can, you can discern and you can make a distinction between what is fact and what is fiction. The fact is anger happens in the moment. And to stick with that anger in the moment requires a lot of courage for people because that means that you respond to the specific situation, what that specific situation calls. And responding to fiction is when they get angry, they sort of lose track of what's in the moment and they're responding to all of these different other angers and all these different injustices that they've experienced in their life. And it all comes out. I'm talking about people that shout at each other. I'm talking about people that get to a certain point where they completely lose their shit. Like I'm talking worst case scenario because this is what we have to sort of tackle it from. So me and you, we have these ways of going about our anger because this is a practice for me and you. Yeah. But I'm talking about like at the very, the very basis of this, like what does it look like to somebody that completely loses their shit to anger? and hurts other people and destroys other people. It's falling asleep to the truth of what's happening in the moment and you're falling victim to your projection of what either somebody's doing to you or what that situation means. When in reality, anger, when you feel it, is just an emotion and you get to choose how you want to interpret that. Whether or not you interpret it in a negative way or a positive way or a learning opportunity sort of way is really up to you, but a lot of people don't realize they have the choice in those moments because it's hard to take a step back and be like, okay, what is it that I'm going through right now? I just think about like for both you and I, we have a lot of childhood trauma surrounding anger and being around people that were capable of getting really angry and shouting and, you know, being out of 10. So I think from that trauma, both you and I are not able to achieve that because we know how scary it is. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's really scary to see someone lose their shit. Yeah. Why do you, why do people, this is what I'm thinking about. Why do people shout when they're angry? I don't and know. I and this is this was my perspective. This is something that I was thinking about um, the other day. When we become emotionally disconnected from one another, we feel extremely far away from yeah. the person that we're talking to. That's true. So we unconsciously convince ourselves that the other person is far away. We don't feel connected to them. They feel miles and miles away. And yeah. maybe in order for them to hear us, we feel like we need to shout. That's how okay. disconnected we feel from another person. That makes it is, sense. It's somehow in our mind we feel so disconnected that we feel like we have to shout in order to get our message across. And at the same time, two people are in love. They feel connected and close. They talk softly towards each other. The distance between them is null. It almost doesn't exist at all. So that's the reason why I think lovers, people that are really in love, does something to you. You start talking softer. There's no reason to shout because you're so close. Like you feel so connected to each other. Right. There's no reason to raise your voice. You feel close. I think think that's like a really important distinction. It's like people don't feel connected. You know, our spirit seeks equilibrium and harmony at all times. Mm-hmm. And at the most primitive level, we can see this as a as safety and health. You know, when conflict is placed within our field that prevents us from feeling whole and connected, we react. But the choice we have in that moment is on how to respond correctly. We have to remember that we aren't dealing with matters of life and death in most cases. We become confused at times because the ego has a tendency to make it feel like our life is seriously at risk, especially when somebody is pulling at our strings a little bit. So we overreact to situations. And the only way to transcend this product of evolution is to not forget who you are in each and every moment. And that involves awareness of what is occurring and using our most present discretion that we can. And this is the reason why meditation is so powerful, because it's something as simple as 
focusing on what is in your moment and not falling victim to all of your projections of emotions that you've just accumulated over time and just somehow picked one person to release it off on. So what what about you? You asked me that question. Like, what is it that you do? Have you ever had a time? Like, what is it that you do to sort of mitigate getting angry? You know, I, um, I try to calm myself down. So if, if I'm like, I can feel myself, like my cheeks will get really flushed. I feel like my blood pressure goes up. My heart starts racing. And, um, once I start to feel those like physical symptoms, Mm -hmm. I'll think to myself, okay, you need to relax. You need to take a deep breath. So breath work super big for me. So uh-huh. I'll just take a couple deep breaths before I respond. And, yeah. you know, like I said, my response is different for different people. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll just spout off if it's some something that, or it's someone that I don't really care about yeah. um, or have a connection to. I'll just say whatever, cause I don't, I don't care as much, you know, but I'm very careful with my words whenever it's somebody that I love and care about, because you can't unring that bell. Once you say something, it's said, yeah. it's out there. And um, especially if somebody has a negative emotion attached to something that you say, that sticks with them forever. Yeah. So, you know- so you- I try to be like very careful about the words I use. And I also use words whenever I'm um, angry where the I statements, like I feel, you know, Mm. so it's like, I feel this way. When you said this, it made me feel this way. So yeah, that's how I manage. And that's like really, really important because a lot of what we're trying to get at is we're trying to feel heard and seen by the people that we're corresponding with. We're not, we're not talking about evolutionary anymore. We're talking about emotional. A lot of these anger situations happen in in, in response to somebody else, right? And we're trying to have somebody else validate how it is that we feel. And we feel angry when that other person doesn't validate those feelings. I I feel like uh, me and you learned very, really early on the repercussions of losing your shit on somebody. Oh, yeah. but, I, but at the same time, I also know what it's like to hurt another person at the same time. Like I know what it feels like. And we become, especially if you're a very empathetic person like me or you, it hurts me just as much as it hurts them mm-hmm. when I get angry. And, it's like and, the guilt is immediate. The second yeah. it comes out of your mouth, you're like immediately guilty and sorry. Yeah, you like, feel shit. it right away and it doesn't feel yeah. very good. And I think that is the responsibility that we have when we operate from awakening is that awakening means being super conscious and super aware of of your behavior. So the second you mistreat somebody, your spirit is hurt by that because you're not, you realize that you're not operating from love. And Mm -hmm. so that is the perfect opportunity to check yourself and be like, Hey, I'm not operating from the the greatest place of authenticity in, in awakening. We, it's not like we, we don't get angry or we don't go through those uncomfortable things. It's just the the period of time it takes us to get over it and learn from it is very, very small, Mm -hmm. right? It's immediate. I tend to not drag things out for like weeks or months at a time. I think when you're operating from awareness and you start treading into awakening, that window starts to become a lot smaller. You start noticing your behavior as it happens because you're being a lot more present. So for me, anger requires collaboration and not resistance. A lot of people, because there's this stigma behind anger, when you ask somebody about anger, the first thing that they'll think of are all the different personal experiences that they've had of being angry. They won't think of the biological reason. They're not going to tell you, well, it's because of these neurons and this, 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 and that. They're going to tell you some story about how somebody pissed them off or somebody cheated on them. And that's fine. But that points to a disconnect that we have with our anger. It's like, I'm here and that's anger over there and that's not me at mm-hmm. all. But the truth is your salvation is in acknowledging the fact that the anger is you and when you're right. experiencing it because that is coming from within your body. And it is a perfectly natural and normal thing to feel as long as you're perfectly aware of why it is that it's happening in the moment, right? Mm -hmm. So I think we have to practice integration when it comes to anger. So when it happens, you just accept it. You say, I'm feeling angry right now. And then you understand the circumstances in the moment that would make you feel that way. And you'd be surprised 
If you even just spend a little bit of time trying to understand your anger, you'll notice how quickly it fades. Because there yeah. are, I think the reason why anger sort of permeates is because your resistance to it. People don't like to feel angry. They don't like to admit that they're wrong. They don't want to lose a fight. They will just try everything that they can in order to prevent themselves from having to be that fucking person. So we have to practice response versus reactivity. Ah, right? response versus reactivity. I like that. That's so true yeah. though. Response is in the moment, there's a response. So when he makes you upset, you practice effective communication. You say, hey, look, I, this is how I'm feeling. And this, this is something that applies to, I imagine if you're in a relationship with somebody that isn't toxic, that's someone that's a pretty reasonable person. If you just say these things, this should lead to a cohesive conversation. Now, 100%. It de-escalates right away. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in, with a relationship with a toxic person, rule number one, you need to get out of that relationship. We're not condoning toxic uh, dynamics between couples. So if you say, hey, I'm angry, and you try to effectively practice communication with this person, and they just continue to shout and scream crazy obscenities at you, you definitely just shouldn't be with that person. I'm talking yeah. about in a reasonable situation, there's a right action and response in any given moment and reactivity what reactivity is is react is reacting unconsciously through your projections and ideas yeah. of situations you are exactly. believing the fiction and not the fact of whatever you're experiencing in the moment right mm -hmm. so we are responsible for our experience not circumstances outside of our control this is a really really huge responsibility which is understanding that we are we are the ones responsible for whether or not we allow others to hurt us or whether or not we hurt other people. This involves a certain level of discretion that we have to we have to practice. It doesn't matter who is right or wrong. It's really polarizing to choose positions. It makes me think of this story where it's like when you're living with a couple, and this is the the dynamic of what a couple usually goes through, is like there's there's somebody that wants to be right and there's somebody that that is at risk of being wrong. And if you're going to follow this sort of logic when it comes to overcoming situations, it's like picking up hot coal with bare hands and throwing it at someone. You both get hurt. That collaboration is, is, is so important because at the end, if you're going to be somebody that seeks to just be right, you're both actually going to hurt and attempt to do that. You know, I, uh, whenever we were talking about doing this podcast, I pulled, pulled up a list. And one of the things on the list was whenever you're angry, journal. And I was like, bitch, oh, yeah. please. Nobody's fucking journaling whenever they're angry. You know, like you're not angry and like, wait a second, let me pull out my journal. <laughs> hold on. Let me, let me pull out my, you're like, hold on a second. Let me get out my anger. <laughs> it's just going to be a bunch of chicken scratch and it's going to be like uncompleted sentences and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. No, I was like, oh, that's ridiculous. I mean, I guess you could three. do that. I think maybe once you get into a place where you're able to like calm and in retrospect, reflect on it. But like in the moment, yeah, I don't think that's happening for most people. No, uh, no, you know? of course not. But yeah. there's a, a good way to, uh, it's kind of like more the aftermath piece. Like I can see journaling as a way to um, sort out your feelings in the aftermath, yeah. but not not during the spark or explosion phase. Nobody's journaling. It is crazy because a lot of people will resist. Like if you tell them, you know, it's all about resisting anger, they'll be like, oh, well, I don't resist anger. I totally feel the anger in the moment. It's like, no, we, we may say we don't resist it because we feel it, but unconsciously we resist anger by projecting it onto others. Oh, projection's so huge. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's like a big thing. We don't want to take accountability for the feelings that we feel. So, And this is, this is the crazy thing about the evolutionary piece is that it's your ego navigating the environment, trying to find the perpetrator because it feels a certain way. Like it feels like it's being attacked. Mm -hmm. So it goes and it's like, is this you? And you project like there's this like this weird instinctual thing that happens when you're asleep. Your body will react if you don't pay attention to what it's doing. 
and it may even react before your mind or your spirit catches up and says, "Hey, you need to you need to sit your ass down." You know, mm-hmm. like it it will run on instinct and it will go and start swinging at people unless you integrate with your ego and pull it back and let it know that, hey, we're not in a situation that you really need to fight. Like this is an emotional thing, not a physical thing. Anger is developed by allowing circumstances to shape consciousness. We should Mm -hmm. be consciousness shaping circumstances. Can you, I can think of one word that makes people more angry than any other word. You want to take a guess at what that is? Say that one more time. Okay. There's one word that makes people super pissed. If you're mad and somebody says this word to you, it's like zero to a 10 and it's a hundred percent effective. Relax. Oh, if you're pissed and somebody tells you to relax, yeah, (laughs) zero to 10. You're like in the way that they say it too. They're like, relax, man, relax, relax. (laughs) Don't you tell me to relax. Well, it's like we all have this archive of anger that comes to the surface. Anytime someone makes us angry, it's like a million voices screaming of how unjust the world is. You know, we, we kind of place ourselves in this sort of like realm of victimhood in a way, because mm-hmm. that archive is filled with all of our unaddressed anger and all of the different sort of things that are unfair, just compiled and compressed into one moment where we just lose our shit on somebody. And then someone says to you, hey, dude, you need to relax. And you're just like, you relax. <laughs> you relax is like the very first thing I always think like, no, you relax. Yeah. And it is how anger manifests is, you know, you think of things like lashing out, passion, passive aggressiveness, punishing, bullying, gossip, slandering, betrayal. It, you know, these, things, these things are so powerful, Jen, because even when I say these things, you start to feel those feelings inside of you, you know, and like your heart or your solar plexus, you start thinking, okay, lashing out. Okay, I've done that. Passion, aggressive, someone has been that way towards me. We have so many things behind these words because we've been wounded so much by people and people have been wounded so much by us. So the, the fact that it has the ability to sort of ruffle your feathers that much is like a very interesting thing because those things are behind the backdrop of a lot of how people go about living their lives. The fact that it's like such like a, uh, like a trigger for people, even just saying things like gossip or slander or betrayal or punishing, you're just like, oh, that motherfucker. Uh-huh. Like I, I know somebody that's done that to me and you have all these feelings oh, yeah. about it. You, when you said passive aggressive, that is my number one most hated quality in the human race is passive aggressiveness. I can't stand it. Yeah. And when this people is, are passive aggressive to me, I'm like, don't you be that way. I don't you. you be that way. Well, let me, let me tell you, let me get your perspective on this. So male, female sort of dynamics. Um, men in the moment, say you're having an altercation with a, a partner. Right. Okay. Men in the moment, they have this sort of a, this, this, they mean well, I think in most cases, if it's a healthy relationship. And if you're having a problem, they want to fix it in the moment. Like, let's get this figured out Thanks. right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the female, a woman, they're known to get really pissed off when it comes to stuff like that. So if a woman's coming to them with an issue and they're like, hey, this is how I'm feeling. I'm angry. I'm upset. And he's like, well, what can I do? What can I do to help? Blah, blah, blah. blah. And she doesn't want him to fix her issues. Yeah. She right? just wants him to listen. Mm-hmm. She just wants to listen. That, that's a really interesting thing because a lot of people run into anger type of situations because they don't understand those two things. One person effectively communicates with another person. I've been that person before where it's like, what can I do? I'd like to help. Or you give unsolicited advice and they're just like, you don't understand. And then you're like, wait, how did I become the bad guy? Like, I'm trying yeah, to help. how did I get the bad guy? <laughs> you're trying to help. And then the, what they really want is to just somebody to hold space for them. And that just sort of speaks to the fact that we're all just very different people, especially men and women. And, and in order to sort of mitigate these sort of misunderstandings, you have to practice effective communication. I think that's what it all comes down to. But I'd agree. You know, stuff like that. Effective communication. How do we transcend anger? Don't leave others responsible for solving a problem. Only you and your anger can fix. 
when you're in the moment and you're experiencing that anger, that is a, an, an emotion that you yourself are only feeling that the other person is not going to understand fully. All anger is, is an alarm system. It is like that notification bar on your phone that tells you when you need to stand up or when you need to drink some water or when somebody sends you a message on Instagram or on fucking Facebook, it tells you when something's going on. It's really important to pay attention to the things that it says and not be afraid of the things that it says. Because it doesn't mean that you're a bad person, but you have to accept the fact that every now and again, you're going to fuck up or do something wrong. And if you can accept that, then you can read the notification and listen to what anger has to say. And it's like, okay, you're angry right now. This person did this or whatever it is that. You'll cease to react. Feeling it in the moment, I think, is the best thing that you can do with anger. But acting like it's never going to happen or resisting it as it comes is the worst thing that you can do. Oh, agreed. Yeah. Bottling up anger because it just festers. It's like a wound. Just gets nasty. You know, Osho talks about we store a lot of anger in our teeth, like in our teeth. Yeah, I, because, yes, I heard that. Yeah. Because we bite down really hard. Uh-huh. We store a lot of anger right here between our brows and our yeah. son of third eye area because we furrow our brows when we're angry. And this is the really interesting thing that I was actually thinking about the other day. People are like, when you say something like that, it sounds kind of woo-woo, right? It's like, oh, how can, where's the anger stored at? It's like, okay, look at it this way. Those chemicals and neurochemicals that are moving through your body that norepinephrine, that cortisol, that adrenaline, it goes somewhere in your body. And if you're angry and you're feeling that intensity, it's very toxic for your body. Not in a, not just in a spiritual energetic sense, but in the fact that those chemicals in overabundance stress your body out a lot and they can get lodged in different areas of the body. And you feel that tension in the body. Like, do you know what it feels like? And I'm coming from my own experience, but I've had a panic attack before. Anybody that's listening, if you've had a panic attack, you know what it feels like after you've had the panic attack where you literally feel like you ran like two miles or 20 miles. Mm -hmm. Your body feels so tired. You feel like someone beat your ass and you're just so completely sore. Like that is how trauma and anger manifests in the body. When those neurochemicals pumping through your veins, like this is where the, 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 the health connection sort of comes in. Like we have the ability to manifest this illness through our thoughts. That just made me think we need to get a naturopath on the show or maybe and somebody that does actu- acupuncture to talk about like where we store certain things in the body. I got, have you ever had acupuncture? No, I feel like you oh, have. So fucking cool. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, so I went to this guy and you know he just felt my pulse and uh-huh. got all of this information just from feeling my pulse. And, um, and I did the acupuncture and I left there feeling amazing. I don't know. There's something to it. I don't know the science behind it, but I know that there's a lot of Eastern medicine that goes into it. So I think yeah, and these guys and you know, need to get say stuff like, show. Oh, that's like a, a pseudoscience, but these, these it's practices not. have been around for years, you know, way longer than I imagine modern medicine studies the stuff that they study. And this is what I can understand about people sort of 3d people that talk about like, Oh, Reiki or um, acupuncture or chiropractic and stuff like that. They're like, eh, that's not real medicine. It's like, whatever it, it totally is. is. Yeah. And before I left, she hooked me up with all these herbs and like the special tea to drink. And she's like, oh yeah, you know, you need to clean out your liver. You need to clean out your kidneys, you know, because you're stressed, you know, X, Y, and Z. So um, yeah, they had, they had an herb to ail anything and it works. Yeah. And that's what we need. We need more effective ways to combat these things. And I think the part that people are missing is the energetic spiritual component to it. Mm -hmm. Trying to address anger physically without understanding the the spiritual and emotional implications of it. A part of why I think we allow anger to control us has to do with our lack of understanding around what it is. And that is a spiritual sort of journey. You know, we replace the actual purpose of anger with our own projections of what we think anger is. And it becomes our projections when it instead should be a tool that we use in survival, right? This is how strong our understanding of things is. 
we can convince ourselves of pretty much anything if we believe it in enough. Oh, in yeah? the same way, we should use our understanding to, to help us better understand not the product of our anger, but what anger is itself. This is the meditation, looking deeply into the functions of anger and not just your concepts about why anger is happening. That involves just understanding the nature. We talk about this all the time, Jen, when it comes yeah. to like the ego, you know, like people think of ego, they have their own stories. But look, ego is a, a system that is meant to work with you and it's meant to collaborate with you and you could use it for good things, but you have mm -hmm. to not be afraid of it. And the only way to not be afraid of something is by effectively understanding everything about it. Same thing with death. So many people are afraid of death. The second you develop enough courage to go into death completely and fully and understanding why it exists, peace comes because then you realize it is just as normal as the life that you live. We psych ourselves up with all this crazy shit, Jen. Yeah, you know, and I think um, holding grudges too is a, is a huge part of staying angry. Mm -hmm. So working oh, yeah. on letting that shit go. And whatever capacity you need to do to do that, whatever your process is, whether that's meditation, um, deep breathing, apologies, you know, journaling. I mean, there's oh, yeah. a million ways that you can deal with your anger. But uh -huh. people that don't do anything to actually deal with their feelings, um, yeah. it, they hold on to that energy in their body. And it's like anytime they access that memory and that anger just bubbles right back up. Like, and, and it'll bubble up when somebody else pisses you off too. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm saying. There's, there's so much more going on than just the, the, the moment that somebody makes you angry because we tend to archive all of these things and internalize it, especially if maybe you're like an empathic person where like you don't normally don't speak up about the injustices. You hold on to them and someone makes you angry and then all of a sudden the, your whole archive of craziness just comes out at once and then, and then that person's like, yo, yo, hey, hey, that's, hey. That's, that's, that's too much. Yeah. You know, it has this trickle effect when it comes to anger. It bleeds into every aspect of our lives and our health. And I think working on yoga, meditation, physical activity, just like you said, with like the acupuncture and stuff, it cleanses the body of those toxins because yeah. emotional pain and anger are manifested in the body as neurochemicals. That's the sort of spiritual, physical, biological sort of connection that they have. It becomes stuck, stuck in the body like, body like a drug. So eating healthy, exercising, meditation, all that stuff can make you feel a little bit more light. And, and what we mean by light, what it means by light, I'm not talking about the woo-woo interpretation of light. When somebody talks about like being light, it is Allowing emotions to flow freely through you, mm -hmm. not holding on to them, not holding on to them and just feeling them, acknowledging them and letting them go. And yeah. the only reasons why we become a lot heavy, really dense, mm -hmm. like rocks, is because we create a foundation that's almost like this house that's built off of all of our projections and all of our fears. And eventually that house becomes this huge ass brick wall that separates you from connecting with other people. And that's because we create this archive. We're always holding on to things or resisting things. And then they sort of create this force field where all of a sudden we're disconnected from everything else and we're yeah. dense. Like we don't feel light. So you got to being more like water. Like what Bruce Lee says, Bruce Lee's like, you got to be more like water. You know, when I am angry, I, it's always because I want to change a situation or circumstance that I have no control over sometimes. Yeah. You know, I want to bend the circumstances around me to fit within my world. And I'm a fairly peaceful and quiet person, Jen. Yeah, and at times too much stimulation can be kind of overwhelming for me. And I can feel the ego inside of me beginning to communicate when it's too much stimulation. And it becomes easy to just listen to it and react. But I've had to learn and remember a series of different things that uh, many, at least I wasn't taught when I was a kid, which is I'm not at the center of the universe. You know, there are a million, millions of different stories and journeys playing out right now. And we forget about, we forget about that, right? Journeys that are being played out deliberately by source and attempt 
for source to understand itself. If we, I feel like if we can understand that, then we can change our relationship to everything. And we begin to see opportunities for growth in every situation because there is no you and me or us and them. There's only God, you know? And so if God is doing this to learn, then we should do, you know, this life thing to learn as well, right? So if we're, if we're looking at everything from that place of oneness, which is you go outside and instead of seeing somebody down the street, you're seeing you, another aspect of you walking down that street because you and that person come from the same source. And then if you can acknowledge that with love, then you realize that that person is on their own special journey going through their own sort of karmic lessons, and you can relate to that. There's no division there. You're less likely to get angry at them because you know that to get angry at them is to get angry with yourself. And at the same time, because that understanding exists, you realize that when you're looking around and you see all these people doing what they do, that's God in so many different forms learning about itself. That is the best lesson that we can have because that shows that, and I mean, every moment you have the opportunity to see it as a way of learning and opposed to seeing each maybe unfortunate or negative situation as a way to further isolate yourself from people. There's a lesson in everything. And the only way that the only reason you way that you can acknowledge that is by seeing it from that perspective, by seeing it from a loving place, you know? I do know. So I have like a little a little it, it can almost be looked at as like a little meditation, Jen. Oh, you have a little meditation. A little, med- a little anger it, meditation. It, it, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be like something crazy. I'm just I'm, I'm just want these people, I want all our listeners to just consider what I'm saying for a second. Okay. When you're angry and you can, you can do this, you can close your eyes right now, but this isn't, this okay. isn't, this isn't yoga studio type shit. So you okay. don't have to do this, Jen. Okay. <laughs> this is oh, just I something, was gonna close my eyes. this oh, is just I something to consider. This is just something to consider. Okay. okay? I'm so When you're angry. Myself. Okay. Okay. You can do that. You can t- even take a few deep breaths. Okay. Right. You can even take a, a few deep breaths. Actually, we're going to turn this into a meditation. Why not? Why not do Why that? Not? Why not? All right. So get into your lotus position. Close your eyes. If you're listening to this, you're probably either doing the dishes or you're sitting down on your bed or, um, I don't know, maybe making love to your girlfriend. Maybe there are some people that listen to podcasts while they have sex. I don't know. No, gross. Ew. Well, if you are, both of Rogan? you. Rogan? You want to hear Rogan? <laughs> both of you, close Is your eyes. Comedy or, or UFC fighting while you're trying to have sex? Ew. Okay. You know what? There's a lot of different people out there, Jen. Okay. All right. So, so let's close your eyes. Take a couple deep breaths. When when you're angry, focus on what is in front of you and try and find something that shares that anger with you. We seem to be creatures that respond best to community, to cohesion, to harmony in our environment. But we forget, we forget this when we're angry. But the key is to remembering this in the moment. So when we're angry, take a moment, pause, and scan your environment for anything in your field that shares your anger and see if you can find it, right? This seem, might seem a little silly. You might ask yourself, okay, is your furniture angry? Or you should ask yourself, is your furniture angry? Is your cat or dog angry? Is your computer angry? Are the trees outside of your window angry, right? And if you do this long enough, when you're angry, like when you're in the moment, maybe you're not angry right now, but this is just something to consider. Mm-hmm. If you do this long enough, with enough attention, you'll likely find that there's nothing within your awareness that shares your anger. What you will discover is that these things share a peace and a stillness and that you seem to be the only one in your moment not sharing it, right? Now, this doesn't mean to not get angry. It doesn't mean to not feel anger. But what it does mean is once we acknowledge our anger, we can quickly utilize our environment to help us remember how to be peaceful. 
And you may, you may ask yourself, okay, you may not feel like you're in an environment that is peaceful. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're not in an environment that is peaceful. Now, when I talk about peaceful environment, I'm not talking about a yoga studio that's been specifically designed to get your mind to shut the fuck up. I'm talking about an, an attention to objects in your field or the nature outside. Do these things look pissed at you? <laughs> right? You may yeah. say, you may say, well, I'm not a tree or I'm not the couch. It may not look obvious to you, but you're made of very similar elements you see in nature. And at the deepest level of your awareness, everything you see in front of you is God manifest in the form. So what I'm trying to say here yeah, is I that like, when you're when got you're lost angry, in the sauce on that one. When you're angry, Jen, most of the time, let me bring up this sort of comparison. Like when you know when couples fight in the anger, and then after every single fight that ends up happening, there'll be like this this long period of peace where nobody's talking. Yeah. Right, you can everybody start said to, what they had to say. And everybody yeah. said what they have to say, but that's still, but your anger is still there, right? Yeah. But, but I mean, but sometimes, then, sometimes I move into like a place of reason. After I say what I have to say, they say what they have to say, and then I'm like considering what they had to say. Right, but the and environment then comparing that you're it in. to how I feel about it, you know. But the but the environment that you're in is usually conducive to you doing that. That's true. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So what I mean is not. You, you can sit and feel your anger and you can definitely even think about why it is that you're angry, but I'm talking about preventing people from falling into the sustained, prolonged sense of suffering with their anger. Okay. Right? Yeah. Actively working on being more present in the moment because the mm-hmm. moment is the, 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 the one place. If you look, and I was talking about this, it sounded a little bit poetic, but I'm like, okay, if you look at a tree, if you look at your bed, if you look at your guitar right now in the moment that you're angry, are those things reflecting back to you what you're feeling? It's like, yeah. no. If you're looking at your cat and cats love to do this, like you could be sitting on your chair and you're looking, your cat's already looking at you. Like, is your cat upset? Is your cat angry? Is anything in your environment sharing your perspective? And most, most of the time it's no. And that's the good thing because that allows you to, one, be present with what's in front of you and also acknowledge that, okay, I'm the only one that's not being peaceful here. But at the same time, you can, you can allow that presence and that peace that you feel in the moment to embody you because... That's what's real. And I think it's about trying to acknowledge, acknowledge what is that's real in the moment, yeah. right? Your anger may be there and you can address it and accept it, but that doesn't mean to get lost in it. It means to, okay, you're still present. You're still in you're the still moment. still present, yeah. And everything around you becomes this teacher, the perfect teacher. That's the reason why people meditate in nature because it has this way of sort of regulating itself. But in, in the moment, if we just become a little bit more intertwined with what's in front of us, then we'll not get so lost in our minds and repetitiously keep recirculating old wounds and old thoughts and patterns. So the whole thing was just about being present. Jen, it was about being present. I like that. And you know, it's funny because one of kind of my, one of my tricks is I will try to visualize the back of my head. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm like super pissed about something, I'll just like, I'll separate myself from it and I'll try to leave my body to visualize the back of my head. Like not like actually leave my body, but that's my visualization. And something about changing the, your entire thought pattern and like breaking away from anger and doing something completely different, um, like visualization of something else, um, really helps. (laughs) You know, it's, it's interesting when the, when you hear Buddhists talk about this, this, this subject, because a lot of what they say is very simple. Like there's this Buddhist teacher called Thich Nhat Hanh, and he has a, a book that I actually read called Anger, how to put out that fire when it happens. And a lot of the stuff is, is definitely like poetry, but it's very simple. 
It's mm-hmm. like reaching out to like what Ryan Heapy talked about in one of our episodes where it's like you're you're looking at a cup and you pick up the cup and you're like, this is a cup. Or like you, you're trying to develop ways of getting more inside of your body in the moment that you're in and you're trying to develop ways to oh, allow yeah. your- That was his like mindful pra- mindfulness practice where they yeah. like drink the tea, feel the warmth of the tea, like all all of the things about the right. tea, right? And, and the, yeah, and the reason why I bring that up is because when it comes to dissolving these flames, we're typically looking for something very complex to understand about it. And it could be very complex, but I've noticed a lot of people tend to miss these really easy Buddhist sort of teachings because it's so fucking simple that it's hard to believe that it works. Yeah. Right? It's like, like meditation. Okay, it's so easy. It doesn't require anything. It's free. It, yeah, it's free. All, it does, it, all but, it requires is time. Right. But we want to put ourselves through the ringer trying to figure out what, what this means. Yeah. And you can do that. It's a choose your own adventure type of life. Yeah. Right? And if you want to go down that, sort of path that maybe typically Libras do when it comes to love, right? Where you you have to have this romantic journey of, you know, all these waves sort of crashing back and forth and all this all this complexity. You can go down that route. But if you're somebody that is so fed up with the anger that you feel and you want to resolve to it and you want to understand it a little bit, these things are so important because these things just require a subtle recognition of what is true and what is not true in any given moment that you're in. And if you trust yourself, Every single moment that you're in, there is a positive and appropriate action and reaction to every given moment. The reason why we don't see that is because we're so lost in our ideas about what any given moment means that we're not even acknowledging the the fact of what's happening in the moment. It could just very well be just an emotion. Mm -hmm. The whole point, I think, is to just not get lost in your thoughts. Pay attention to what's in front of you. And that's like, it doesn't seem all too crazy. But if you do that long enough, at least for me, this is the reason why they say singing is so important. Like singing is so powerful. I mean, mm-hmm. Terrence McKenna was talking about like, oh, well, what is one of the, the best ways that you go about trying to resolve a bad trip? Mm-hmm. And he has them. He's like the master, right? He's, yeah. he's had probably uh, about 100,000 fucking bad trips. And if anybody knows how to go through this, it's Terrence McKenna. He says, they start singing. Oh. Yeah. Okay. He just says he starts singing. He just starts singing. And all of a sudden, I've tried this before. And this is something that definitely works. So maybe if you're angry, start singing. Try and take your attention away from what it is that you're getting lost inside of your mind. Now, I'm not telling you to not address the feelings as they come up, but I'm, 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 what I'm talking about is there's no need after a certain period of time to beat your own ass with these feelings mm-hmm. and these thoughts. You know, I'm talking about prolonged suffering. That is mm-hmm. something that we absolutely do not need. And if we practice just being present with our emotions and our feelings, we'll see them dissipate and move a lot faster and not get over-identified with them. And that's a thing. We shouldn't get so over-identified with our emotions and our feelings. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, I'm totally detached, so I get it. Yeah, <laughs> it's because you're, you're Aquarian, Aquarian vibes. <laughs> but you have feelings, Jen, especially during yeah. this Mercury retrograde. Oh, my God, this retrograde, all the feels. I've all been the feels feeling come out. at a level 10. Oh, yeah, Jen's been texting me. She's just like, I'm just feeling so emotional. A lot of just things have been coming up for me. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second here, Jen. Who is this person? Wait, is, <laughs> does somebody steal your phone? Did somebody hack into your iPhone and start texting me back some really meaningful emotional shit? <laughs> just, just kidding. Just kidding. Jen is one of the most so beautiful trigger. people uh, that I know. But there are definitely a lot of like the Mercury retrograde stuff has been making things oh, a lot more emotional for both you and I. Dude, it's been intense. This has been the most intense retrograde I think I've ever been through. Really? Yeah. 
and it certainly, uh, and we've talked about this off- offline, but it certainly has opened up like additional psychism that I never had before. So it, this is you know, something that's that we, cool. yeah, this is something that we talked about before offline, which is like, you are fully integrated right now. If anybody um, that's listening uh, got to catch a few episodes um, back uh, where we were talking about Jen um, entering into this new journey in her professional career with Field Trip, which is a psychedelic therapy company. Mm-hmm. Right, that does uh, uh, treatment of emotional or maybe mood disorders, or you can probably explain it a lot better than me. But Jen went from a completely different life into the life of basically her own sort of version of a bodhisattva. Like you're helping people in the way that you want to help, want know help that people. will help people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's like so. now you're like fully embodying your journey and your passions. Yeah, it's been crazy, and as I move on this path, I'm noticing shifts in my own consciousness. You know. Um, because I'm not living two separate lives. I've been living two separate lives for so long, you know, uh, work gen and, you know, outside of work gen, two totally different people. I have my work hat and I have my personal hat, yeah. my party hat, you know, so now it's all the same hat and it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Now with your powers combined, you can fucking get Captain Planet to come out and hang out with you. Maybe. <laughs> work on it. Yeah. You're fully integrated basically. I'm trying, you know? Yeah. I'm getting somewhere, making some headway. Yeah, exactly. So just summarize this all up. This is all really complex and it's it's definitely something that we can probably talk about for a long time. But I think moral of the story is to just not over-identify with your emotions and your feelings as they come up, especially when they involve somebody else. Like, Be careful with your words. Be selective with the words you use. Be careful with your words. Practice effective communication. Avoid power words. Use I feel anytime you're trying to describe your anger or how you're feeling. And, and do your job to effectively communicate and validate mm-hmm. somebody else's feeling. At the end of the day, we just want to be heard. We just want, we just want somebody to look into our eyes and say, hey, I see you. I hear you. Like you exist. I think that, that's the basis of this. It's like somebody just, we want to feel Thank like we exist. Divine, well, I pressed the wrong button on that one. Yeah, you did. I was like, oh. But the play accidentally played the intro. Oh, my gosh. We're falling into Mercury Retrograde. Jen, we get to pull me out. Pull me out. I mean, yeah. I mean, (laughs) we have four more days. Four days left. Four days left. It's over on the uh, 27th, I believe. Oh, I thought it was the 27th. The 17th. It's the 17th? I thought it was the 18th. Yeah, I don't fucking know. It needs to be over like yesterday. Yeah, everybody hang in there. Everybody needs to hang in there. Moral of the story, just to sum it all up, is be present, be impeccable with your words. Do not resist your anger as you feel it. Feel it fully. Because it's there to teach you something. It's an alarm system. It's a notification. Pay attention to it. It is a part of you. Accept your anger fully and you will not succumb to its projections and the, the, the conditioning of your ego. Because if you're not paying attention to anger, then your ego is just going to run the show for you. Right? That's, That's the one thing that we don't want to do. We want to practice being present, be forgiving, see things from love. Especially right now, the world's got itself into a crazy sort of tizzy. It's really important that we stay grounded, not only for ourselves, but for other people. And remember that we're all the same. We're all the same force moving about the planet. Don't fall asleep. Don't create division. Just hold true to that one sort of feeling that we all have that we can all relate to, which is love. That has no boundaries. It's not good or bad. It's not right or left. It's not up or down. It's just God. So practice love, right? All right. All right, friends. 
Thank you for tuning in to Divine Nobody's Podcast. You could uh, catch our episodes on YouTube. And I'd like to ask you guys, if you guys really like the episodes, you could like and subscribe on any of the platforms that you listen to us on. Uh, but you could also like and subscribe on YouTube. We have the video portions of the podcast in the description. You can go down and check those out. And also leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Well, I always love to hear from you guys. You guys always have such wonderful things to say. And if you want to get out in contact with us, you can reach out to us on uh, nobody's podcast at gmail.com. And then also you can add us on Instagram, on the gram. Go ahead and give us a follow. We post clips and things like there, do all the things. We'll all get to this Mercury retrograde together. And uh, if a solar flare doesn't knock all of this out in the next couple of days, I think we'll talk right. to you again next week. Sounds good. Namaste, friends. Namaste.